This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. She was smoking hot. Esther was chosen to be the next queen of the Medo-Persian Empire after Queen Vashti had upset King Xerxes by refusing to come when he called her. So he got rid of Vashti as queen and then held a, an empire-wide beauty contest to choose the next queen. And so Esther was one of these young maidens that went through a year-long beauty treatment before a one-day beauty contest. And she was chosen out of all of the other women in the Medo-Persian Empire to be Xerxes' king, queen. Let's back up a little bit. Esther had been orphaned by her parents, and so her older cousin Mordecai had raised her. Well, one day Mordecai overheard a plot to assassinate the king. And so he told his cousin, the queen, who then told her husband, the king. And the assassination plot was foiled. And from then on, King Xerxes held Mordecai in high esteem. But Mordecai wasn't held in high esteem by Xerxes' royal advisor, Haman. Every time Haman would enter into the palace, all of the king's men and officials would bow down and kneel before Haman, except for Mordecai. Scripture doesn't tell us why Mordecai refused to kneel down and bow before Haman, but Haman hated him for it. And so he wanted Mordecai dead. But his Latent hatred for Mordecai was so egregious. He didn't just want Mordecai dead. He wanted all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, dead too. So Haman told the king, There is a group of people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of all the other people. They do not keep the laws of the king. It is not good for the king to allow them to get away with this. If the king agrees, a directive should be written to destroy them. King Xerxes agreed, and he applied his royal signet ring to the written directive, calling for a holocaust of the Jews in his kingdom. When Mordecai learned of this deadly decree, he sent an urgent message to the queen, his cousin, to then go before the king to implore him for mercy, to beg and plead for her Jewish people. But Esther was afraid. She knew the Persian law that said that no man or woman could enter into the king's courtyard without being summoned first. And anyone who did that, even if she was the queen, could be put to death. So when Mordecai received the queen's message of her hesitancy, he replied, Take this message to Esther. Do not imagine that of all the Jews you alone will escape because you're part of the king's household. If at this time you keep totally silent, relief and deliverance for the Jews will spring up from somewhere. But you and the house of your father will perish. Who knows whether you have become a queen for a time like this. Mordecai's words are really the theme of the entire book of Esther. Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Mordecai believed that God's chosen purpose for his chosen people would be accomplished. And it was going to be accomplished with or without Queen Esther. 
He said, if at this time you keep totally silent, relief and deliverance for the Jews will spring up from somewhere. And Mordecai's words were the theme for the Wells International Youth Rally held at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville two weeks ago. Three chaperones and myself took 15 of our Water of Life teens to the rally. The theme of that rally was here and now, based on Mordecai's words to the smoking hot queen, who knows whether you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. But what reasons did Esther have for not going before the king? Why not now? Well, they were seemingly valid reasons. There was hesitancy because there was fear, danger, imminent death. After receiving Mordecai's desperate but inspiring words, Esther responded, Go, gather all the Jews who are found in Susa. Fast on my behalf. Do not eat and drink for three days and nights. I and my young women also will fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, contrary to the law. And then if I perish, I perish. So why now? What made her act? Well, she realized that she was living in a momentous time with a momentous opportunity. At the rally, the keynote speakers, the worship music, the pastors in their devotions, and the leaders in their workshops challenged the teens as, why not now? Why not be involved in God's momentous purposes for the here and now? Before I give you a list of their reasons of why not now, I want you to think of your reasons of why not now. I'm going to give you 15 seconds. You can close your eyes if you want. But I want you to think of why are you not involved in doing God's kingdom work with the Lord and with others in your life. So go ahead and take that time. Why not now? Teenagers can be very open when you allow them to be. They were not afraid. They were not ashamed to give their reasons of why not now. And they said they were busy. They're afraid. They don't know what to say. They're too young. They can't drive. There's no time. Uncertain. Lazy. Distractions. Not good enough. Or I'll do that later. Those were their top reasons. But what about you? Did they hit on any of your reasons? Maybe they were similar, that you're too busy, you're uncertain, maybe you're too old, you're, you don't have any talents, you don't know what to say. And if you do say something, it's not going to matter anyway. When you look at their excuses, when you look at your excuses, are, we, are any of them really valid excuses for why not now? A better question that the teens learn to ask themselves than why not now is why now? And that's a good question I'm going to have you think about for another 15 seconds. Because you may think that your, your reasons for why not now, that comes from your sinful nature. But your motivation, that comes through your sanctified spirit. So go ahead and think of how you can be involved in serving God and others that God has placed in your life. Why now?
Why now? You are here for a momentous purpose. St. Peter announces your purpose. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the people who are God's possession, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. The prophet Isaiah announces your purpose. Do not be afraid because I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. St. Paul announces your purpose. So whether you eat or drink or anything else, do it all to the glory of God. And we might be hesitant at first to serve God and others around us, but like Esther, we can be confident that God has a momentous purpose chosen for us. And all of our excuses, they just fall away when we allow God to put us to work. And I don't want you to limit that work for the Lord just to serving the Lord here in the church or being a called worker. Those acts of service, those are definitely important and needed for the kingdom of God. But I want you to think of ways you can serve God away from the church. Because you are a chosen people who have been chosen for a momentous purpose. And that purpose may be raising your children training them with respect and a work ethic and with a Christian faith. Your purpose may be children that are growing up loving and honoring and respecting your parents and others in authority. Your purpose may be as a faithful employee or a trusted employer. Your purpose may be as a helpful neighbor or a studious student or a civil citizen. Take another 15 seconds. This is the last time I'm going to ask you to do this. Now I want you to think of when and where and how God can use you to serve him and others he has placed in your life. Go ahead. A better question than asking what's your purpose is asking where is your purpose. Think about where God has placed you and think about where you've been placed with others in your life because you are a part of a family, a community. You have friends and classmates and coworkers. You have a family of God here at Water of Life. You have people that God has placed into your life so that you can love and show kindness to and help. Look at the scripture readings that we had for today and see how Elisha and Paul and Jesus were determined to be involved in God's ministry here and now. After being tapped on the shoulder to be the next prophet of Israel, Elisha took his team of oxen, he slaughtered them, he chopped up his plow, and he sacrificed and barbecued those oxen Because there's no way he was going back to being a farmer. He was now determined to be a prophet here and now. Paul was talking in the epistle lesson about how he had been chosen by Jesus himself to be the apostle to the Gentiles despite having to go through shipwrecks and imprisonments and beatings and even a stoning and yet he was determined to be that, gen- that apostle to the Gentiles here and now. 
after being chosen from eternity to be the Savior of humanity, Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem, even though he knew that it meant his beard being pulled, his face slapped, his back scourged, that he would face crucifixion and divine abandonment. He was determined to go to Jerusalem to serve and save humanity here and now. Ushering canvassing, teaching Sunday school, being involved in our church's soccer camp, going to fellowship events, and being involved in Bible studies. Those are awesome and needed. We need those kinds of things to continue the ministry here at Water of Life. But what else can you do in addition to those things away from the church? What can you do here and now? Perhaps you're one of those people who knows what it's like to be lonely and left out. Go find someone who is like you and then take them out for coffee and conversation and season your speech with Jesus. Perhaps you know what it's like to be a widow or a widower or to lose a child to death or to a miscarriage. That pain and heartache you feel, that's still raw, even though it may have happened years ago. Find others who are hurting like you are and then talk to them. Be a light in their world. Perhaps you know a single parent who is struggling to get everything accomplished in his or her house. Go and help, encourage, and build others up. Now is the time to continue to save the lives of the unborn. Now is the time to share the wisdom of God's divine design for sexuality and marriage in a culture that is so confused about sexuality and the sexes. Now is the time to share Christian values to serve God and others instead of serving self and our feelings. Do not be overcome, St. Paul says. Don't, do not be overcome by evil, St. Paul says. And we can be very easily become like James and John in the gospel lesson as we see our wicked and adulterous generation and want to call down fire from heaven upon this nation. And yet, do not be overcome by that evil, but overcome evil with good. For Jesus has redeemed you, rescued you, and sanctified you. He has called you, chosen you. He has placed his name on you. He has made you his smoking hot kings and queens of, to serve him as the king of kings and lord of lords and everything you think, say, and do. Jesus came for a momentous purpose. He was determined to go to Jerusalem. No one and nothing was going to stop him. And you were born for a momentous purpose. Because Jesus went to Jerusalem to go to the cross and come out of the grave. Now you are determined that you are going to the new golden Jerusalem of heaven. And nothing's going to stop you. On your way there, you have a momentous purpose of demonstrating love and compassion, sharing friendship and empathy, letting your light shine in Jesus Christ. Like Esther, you were chosen for a momentous time such as this. You have been given a momentous purpose with a momentous opportunity. Here and now. Amen.